Welcome to Reading the Bible. I'm John Robertson, and I'm here to help you understand the Bible, to sharpen your skills at Bible analysis, and to help you make it to heaven. Are you ready to do some serious Bible study? Then let's grab a Bible together and dig in. The truth is there. We just have to be willing to put the work in to find it. Today's podcast is over the subject of how people respond to hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ. The book of Acts seems to be a study over how it is that people respond once they hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. As you read through the book of Acts, there are several responses given, varying responses maybe we would say, and all of them are very telling. They teach us some things about not only ourselves, but the world in which we live in and how people respond when they hear the truth. So really, as you listen to this podcast today, you need to ask yourself a question. When I hear truth, how do I respond? So looking at the book of Acts, we find several responses, as we said. First, at Acts chapter 2, when the apostle Peter is preaching the first sermon there on the day of Pentecost, We find at chapter 2 and verse 41, 42, 43, and 44 that people believed the message. They heard what he had to say, and they believed it, and they responded in a favorable way. They said, what do we do? And Peter said, repent, let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And so they did that, and they were added to the Lord's church. Then other times in the book of Acts, For example, at Acts chapter 5 and verse 13, we find that people were afraid. There was fear that was the response to hearing the gospel message. Sometimes that happens today, of course. People hear the gospel and they're afraid because it means that they will have to be subject to something. It means they're going to have to change the way that they're living. It means that they're going to have to do things that they hadn't been doing before. Um, It may mean that they face losing friends and being in a separate social setting than what they were before. So fear is a response. And then in other times, such as at Acts chapter 5 and verse 17, and also in chapter 13, we find that jealousy was the response to hearing the gospel. People heard the gospel. They, they were responding favorably to it. Other people were watching this happen. And so uh, they became jealous over the matter. Not only do we find faith, belief, fear, and jealousy, but then some, when they hear the gospel message, were moved to murderous anger. Acts chapter 5 and verse 33, chapter 7, verse 44. Again, sometimes that happens. People hear the gospel today. It's not what they are expecting to hear. It's not what they want to hear. It goes against everything that they believe, and so they become angry at the messenger. Again, what are we doing? We're just asking ourselves how we respond. How do you respond when you hear the truth, the actual facts of of things of this life that God has revealed, recognized as the truth? As we continue to work through the book of Acts, we find that some people, such as the Ethiopian eunuch of Acts chapter 8, and then the Bereans later on in the book of Acts, these people displayed spirit of curiosity. So they wanted to know more. They wanted to hear more about the message of truth. They were interested. And then we find others such as Saul, who would become known as the Apostle Paul. At Acts chapter 9 and verse 9, he tells us that when he heard the gospel, when he recognized the truth, he was broken in guilt, and he was willing to obey. 
Others at Acts chapter 13, verse 27, displayed ignorance in the face of revealed truth. It's absolutely amazing to read through some of these examples in the book of Acts, but these examples in the book of Acts become real life facts and, and things that we face today. Whenever we teach, preach the truth, we find that some people are ignorant of it and they want nothing more to do with it. Again, I, I don't want to just point the fingers at everybody else. I want to point the finger at myself as well and say, okay, how do I respond when I hear the truth? Sometimes when people hear the truth, according to Acts chapter 13 and verse 45, they disagree with it. They reject it. They refuse to accept it. I think so many times about the subject of baptism, how clear and how simple the subject of baptism is. But yet when we tell people, when I tell people, or when, maybe when you have told people, or maybe you haven't heard someone say that you need to be baptized in order to be saved, that they disagree with it. In fact, it gets them upset, they reject it, and they refuse to accept it, even though Acts 2 and verse 38, whenever they were asked, uh, the, whenever the apostles were asked, when Peter was asked, what do we need to do to be saved? At verse 37 to verse 38, Peter tells them they need to be baptized. And at 1 Peter 3 and verse 21, Peter tells us that baptism is the way people are saved. So it, it's, it's very obvious, but yet people disagree with the truth. Uh, they reject it. And then the, the next one that I wanted to look at is the idea of just uh, ignoring the obvious. Uh, and so many times in the book of Acts, we find a miracle was performed, the teaching was presented, and people just ignore the obvious. And so what I would like to do is just look at Acts chapter 14 and start reading there with me at verse, uh, we could start reading at verse 5. And notice how that the gospel is preached people hear these things, they not only ignore the obvious, but, but they just draw the wrong conclusions about things. So again, what's the object of this? The object is to have our ears perked up to truth, to, to be people who are interested in truth, to investigate things, to find out the facts of the matter. I just personally find that so many people are, are just not interested in facts and truth, and, and that sh should be alarming to you. If you're someone who worships at some denominational body, for example, uh, the Baptist church, uh, doesn't it, uh, it bother you at all that, that your church name has nothing to do with Christ? If the church is the body of Christ, why would we call Christ's body anything other than Christ? So it, it's just an example. But let's look at, at Acts chapter 14 and, and start there with me at verse 5 and see how it is that wrong conclusions are drawn. So we read there at verse 5, Acts 14, verse 5. And when there was made an onset both of the Gentiles and of the Jews with their rulers to treat them shamefully and to stone them, they became aware of it and fled into the cities of Lycona, Lystra, Derby, and the regions round about. And they preached the gospel. Okay, so the gospel of Jesus Christ was preached. The truth. Remember, the gospel is the truth. Ephesians 1, verse 13. That means they told about the prophecies of, of the of the Christ in the Old Testament and prove that Jesus is that Christ. They talked about how Christ delivers one from the bondage of sin. They talked about how though, that, that if you would believe these things and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins, you could be saved. So, so that, that's the general message of the gospel. So we continue to read at verse 8 of Acts 14. And at Lystra, there sat a certain man impotent in his feet, a cripple from his mother's womb, who never had walked. 
the same heard Paul speaking, who fastened his eyes upon him, and seeing that he had faith to be made whole, said with a loud voice, Stand upright on your feet. And he leaped up and walked. And when the multitude saw what Paul had done, they lifted up their voice, saying in the speech of the Lyconian, The gods are come down to us in the likeness of men. And they called Barnabas Jupiter and Paul Mercury, because he was chief speaker. Uh, this is just nothing uh, short of, uh, <laughs> of uh, fantastic, or, or how would you explain this, the, the response here? This is what we're looking at, the response to hearing the truth, the response to seeing the things of, of God. The response to this gospel, the response to this miracle, should have been a, a, an ear that was ready to listen. And really what I find in the case of these miracles is that they're a lot like the issue of general truths in the Bible. So in other words, the thing that should have taken place when the eyes saw this miracle, this man that was born lame, never walked, and now they see him healed and walking, what should have occurred on that occasion was faith in God. And we read that at John chapter 20, verse 30 and 31. Jesus says many other signs that were done in the presence of, of disciples were not written, but these are written, these signs, these miracles written so that you may believe. The object of the miracles was to produce faith. And so on this occasion, it should have produced faith, but rather than being producing faith in God, they assigned this, they concluded that Paul and Barnabas were gods, uh, Mercury. Uh, and uh, Zeus, Hermes and Zeus. And, and so uh, the, the wrong conclusion was drawn. But again, it's like the uh, general truths of the, of the Old Testament, of the book of Proverbs. For example, uh, when we read in Proverbs chapter 22 and verse 6, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he will not depart from it. That's a general truth. In other words, that's the way things ought to be. It's the way things should be. Uh, but it doesn't go like that often or all the time because people have their own choice. They have free will. So a child may grow up in a godly home, but choose to do things other than godliness. And so he's not doing what he was trained to do. He's not doing what he ought to do. He's not doing what the natural order of things to, to do would be. He made a choice to do something else. And it's the same thing with gray-headed men. We learn from the book of Proverbs also, chapter 16, verse 31, that gray-haired people should be wise. But all it does, all it takes is to go out in our society and talk to some gray-haired people, and we find anything but wisdom. So here we find that the object of truth is to settle well within the mind so that when people hear this, the natural response would be to accept these things as actual truths rather than to reject them. Uh, it is the natural order of things. The Apostle Paul talks about this over the book of Romans in chapter 1 and verse 26. He uses the word nature there at chapter 1. So let's, if, if you permit me to, let me just read this to you. It's interesting. He says at Romans 1 24, let's just start at verse 24. He says, wherefore God gave them up the lust of their hearts unto uncleanliness that their bodies should be dishonored among themselves or that they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. 
For this cause, God gave them up into vile passions for their women, changed the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise, also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one toward another, men with men working unseemliness and receiving in themselves the recompense of their error, which was due. I've oftentimes thought it was fascinating that the Apostle Paul used the subject of homosexuality to prove the case of nature. In other words, it is so obvious in this case that it helps us to establish, or, or Paul establishes this principle of nature by this obvious case of homosexuality. It's obvious that two men do not belong together sexually. And so the natural order of things would be man with woman, but the unnatural thing would be a man with man or a woman with woman. So in other words, we live in a world of facts, a world of truth, a world of the way of things as they ought to be. Maybe sometimes you hear the, the idea of a sense of ought. So people should have a sense of ought about themselves. In other words, the more you look into this, the more you realize that the truth should settle well within the mind because it fits the natural order of things. When God created man and God created all the things from the very beginning, he says it was good. He created us good. He created us with a mind to reason and to think. He didn't create us with mind to just take the path of least resistance. But let's get back to our text at Acts chapter 14. Let's keep reading here. At Acts chapter 14, verse 13, so after the miracle was performed, and so they, the people of Lystra say, well, you know, Paul and Barnabas must be gods. And in verse 13, and the priests of Jupiter, whose temple was before the city, brought oxen and garland into the gates and would have done sacrifice with the multitudes. But when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard of it, they rent their garments and sprang forth among the multitudes, crying out. And so we, we just pause there because I just wanted to make a, a, a note of the fact that Paul and Barnabas was doing some hearing and observation of what they were experiencing. The people of Lystra were not observing, they were not hearing what was taking place. They drew faulty conclusions because they weren't paying attention. So again, we are created with minds, and these minds are to be used, and we are to be observant of our, of our surroundings. And truth should be something that interests us. Facts should be something that interests us. I may hear something said of a preacher at the church that I attend. Does, does it mean that it's truth just because he spoke it, or do I have an investigative spirit? Am I going to search out the things that are said? Am, am I going to investigate these things? What type of a mind do you have? How do you respond to the truth? That's the object of this podcast. So we look at verse 15, at Acts 14, verse 15. It says, and saying, sirs, Paul and Barnabas said, sirs, why do you do these things? We are also men of like passions with you and bring you good tidings that you should turn from these vain things into serving a living God who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. So it's a good question, isn't it? Paul and Barnabas say, why do you do these things? And I could say the same thing today. Looking at out at this religious world that we live in, we've said before in the podcast and other uh, uh, social media settings, we, we look into the uh, environment, the religious environment, we find that within this uh, Christianity uh, or in this world, there are 10,000 religions, and one of those religions is Christianity, and within Christianity, there's 30,000 denominational bodies. That's people going in 30,000 different directions. So I may ask the person, 
Why is it that you have a pope? Why is it that the Mormon church has a president over the church? Why is there a Southern Baptist convention? Why is it that your church teaches that baptism is not necessary for salvation when the word of God says that it does, that it is necessary? Why is it that the church you attend wears a name other than Christ? If the church is the body of Christ, and it is Ephesians 1, verse 22 and 23, then why is it that some church hangs a sign out there that doesn't say anything about Christ? These types of things should be alarming to people, but they're not because they're taking the path of least resistance. They're not using their mind. They're not thinking about the things that are set before their eyes. They're just doing what everybody else is doing. They're doing what they've always done. They've done they're, they're oftentimes doing what they've been taught to do instead of investigating and searching out whether or not something that is going on is truthful, is factual. So that's all we're trying to do. Let, let's get back to the truth. Let's get back to the facts of things. And so at verse 16, he says, looking at Acts 14 and verse 16, he says, who in generations gone by suffered all the nations to walk in their own ways, that is, God permitted it. He suffered them just like we just read in Romans chapter 1, verse 24. God suffered. God gave them up. He let them do these things. And then at verse 17, Acts 14, verse 70 says, And yet he left not himself without witness, in that he did good, and gave you from heaven rains and fruitful seasons, filling your hearts with food and gladness. It's a fascinating statement. What it says is, is that even though people didn't do what God wanted them to do, they didn't follow the sense of awe. They didn't search out the facts and truth of the matter. God continued to give rain. He continued to let the, the food grow and the people ate these things. That was his witness. It, in other words, they ought to have seen how good God is. They ought to have noticed that things are of a divine nature, but many, in many cases they didn't. One of the, the examples I thought of was the example in the book of Numbers of how it is that the people began to grumble about the manna that God was giving them. Remember God raining down the manna from heaven and the people were eating it and, and they, they, they grew weary of it. They were tired. They didn't want any more than manna. They wanted some meat. So God blew in all these quail and, and you remember how they went and gathered the quail and they began to eat it and chew it. And while they were chewing it between their teeth, God kills uh, uh, many of them. So what was happening? Well, they, were, they weren't grateful for the things that God had given them. And when we look at John chapter 6 and we see the connection between manna, the bread of life, Christ, and the truth, we, we see the shadowy figure here. What we see in a shadow lesson learned from the book of Numbers is that God gives the truth, but people are not satisfied with the truth. They want something else. And, and as they continue to do this, God continues to give rain. God continues to give food. And so you have people who are blessed with these jobs. They go to work. They buy the steak. They bring it home. They put it on the grill. They take that grill off the steak, and they chew that steak in, in their mouth, and they don't even give God thanks for that. They don't even consider their creator. They don't even consider where that food came from. They just don't care. And I don't want to have a mind that's like that, a, a mind that's oblivious to the facts, to the truth, to, to the things that are going on around me. I, I want to be observant of these things, and I want to give God thanks. And I want to accept the truth. I want to search out the things that are right and true rather than just going through life in this oblivious mind 
that doesn't even think or consider the things of, of God. So we get back to Acts chapter 14. We see there at verse 18, it says, And with these sayings, scarce, scarce could they restrain the multitudes from doing sacrifice to them. Verse 19, But there came Jews from Antioch and Iconium, and having persuaded the multitude, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing that he was dead. Again, this statement is just uh, alarming. It's just, it causes us to be shocked. It's, there's a shock factor here. How is it that Paul and Barnabas could do a miracle and preach the gospel to these people, and they don't listen to a word they have to say? And then these Jews come in, and they persuade the multitudes that Paul and Barnabas are uh, bad people, and so they listen to what the Jews are saying, and they stone Paul to the point where they think he's dead to drag him out of the city. Uh, so what's wrong with this picture here? What, what is wrong with this picture is, is that you have a people that won't listen to truth, but they'll listen to lies. And that's exactly what happened on this occasion. And the, the reason that they are willing to listen to lies and the will, reason that people are willing to listen to lies today rather than the truth is because that's what they're interested in. That's what they're looking for in this life. They're not looking for facts. They're not looking for truth. They're looking for something that just comforts them. They're looking for something that just gets them by for the moment. Listen, at 1 John chapter 4, the Apostle John tells us exactly why these people in Leicester listen to these wicked Jews rather than listening to the truths that Paul and Barnabas were teaching. The Apostle John writes in 1 John chapter 4 and verse 5, They are of the world, therefore speak they as the world, and the world hears them. We are of God. He that knows God hears us. He who is not of God hears us not. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. And then one other passage, Jesus explains this as well. John chapter 15 and verse 18, we read there, If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. But because you're not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the, world, the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his Lord. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. You see what's happening? This is why these people accepted the words of the Jews, but they rejected the words of the apostles. And it's the very reason that people, some people accept the truth today, and many people reject the truth today, because the truth is not what they're looking for. They are content with the things of this life. They're not thinking about the fact that they're getting older by the moment. And they're not thinking about the fact that one day they're going to die. They're not thinking about the fact that one day they'll stand before the Lord on judgment day and they'll have to give an account for all things done in this life. All they are concerned about is what's going on right now. What's, what am I going to spend my money on now? What, am I, what kind of job am I going to get so I can make money now? What kind of a luxury item can I have to give me comfort now? And, and so this type of mindset just doesn't get it. It's not a mind that's looking for truth. It's not a mind that's looking for reality. It's a mind that loves lies, that loves delusion, and loves pleasure right here and right now. 
I like what the book of Hebrews tells us in chapter 11 about Moses. Moses decided that the passing pleasures of Egypt were not worth his eternal soul. So he gave up those things. Well, the question is, what will you do and how will you respond to truth? What type of a mind do you have? Do you have an observant mind? Do you have a curious mind? Do you have an investigative mind? Are, are you interested in facts? Are you ready to put things to the truth, uh, put, put things to the test of truth? First John chapter four, verse one through four. Or will you just continue to uh, take the paths of least resistance and just enjoy the things as the apostle Paul told the Corinthians, let us live, eat, and drink now, for tomorrow we die, and that's all there is to this life. Well, I think that if you're listening to this, if you're a little bit more substance of a person than that. I hope and pray that such a podcast has helped you in your everyday Christian living, and it would encourage you to be a person that seeks out the truth, seeks out fact, facts, has an investigative, curious mind. May God be with you.